Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. The Old Testament book of Zephaniah and Zephaniah and chapter number 1. Zephaniah and chapter number 1. We are currently in a series right now of the Minor Prophets. And we're taking one Minor Prophet a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And what we're doing is we're just doing a quick survey, giving a quick taste of what some of these powerful uh, books found within the Word of God. How encouraging they are. How powerful they are. Of course, this morning we took some time to look at Zephaniah earlier. And we saw that God is a God who hates sin. Remember the overarching theme of this book is the great day of the Lord that judgment is about to befall Jerusalem. Judgment is about to fall upon God's people in the southern kingdom. Remember at this time you have four prophets writing prophets that are preaching. You have Jeremiah who's been preaching for 40 years trying to point people to the Lord and telling them to get right. On the other side of the river you have Ezekiel who is pastoring those folks who have already been kidnapped by the Babylonians and have been planted over inside of Babylon and he's pastoring them and he's encouraging them and he's trying to give them the same message that they need to be right with the Lord. We know that Habakkuk has been preaching and we've already seen in the book of Habakkuk last week that as Habakkuk laid out everything that is going on within the kingdom he prayed to God and to his surprise God answered him. And said, ye among the heathen. He says, I'm going to do something in such a way that if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And God was right. But God knew what he was doing. And then we have Zephaniah. Zephaniah, who is of royal blood, has been preaching. And has been trying to be an encouragement. And trying to let people know what the word of God says. To let them know that God wants to be close to them. And remember, as we explained this morning, that sin separates us from God and that it used the word polluted several times in that one passage and it carries the idea that because of our sins and because we don't get right with God it's like having someone that hasn't taken a bath in a very long time and finally that someone says oh I want to get close to God if someone who hasn't taken a bath in quite a while tries to hug you would you be very eager to kind of embrace them no because of that sin there's a separation and we explain that because God wants to be close with you, he has to tell you to be, take a bath. And we saw the idea of confessing your sins. That if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that the most loving thing that God could have done was to point out, you have some things in your life that need to be taken care of. I want to be close to you, but before we could be close, you must Take care of this. Well, remember as we are covering this overarching theme of <laughs> in the book of Zephaniah, dealing with the great judgment of God, the great day of God, I want you now to take your Bible and look with me in the book of Zephaniah in chapter number 1. The book of Zephaniah in chapter number 1, notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse 1. Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Zedekiah, that's who it is, and the days of Josiah the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. And the name of the Chimarim, <coughs> um, Chimarims with the priest. 
And them that worship the house of the host of heaven upon the housetops. And them that worship and swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. And them that are turned back from the Lord. And those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He hath bid his guest. And it shall come to pass in that day of the Lord's sacrifice. I will punish the princes and the king's children. And all that are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold. Which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day that there shall be and the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and the howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. How, you inhabitants of Maktish, for all of the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles, and punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Therefore their goods shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses and not inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and not drink of the wine thereof. Great, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty men shall cry there bitterly that Day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastedness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men, and there they or that they should walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Zephaniah chapter 1? The book of Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse number 14, notice the phrase, the great day of the Lord is near. The great day of the Lord is near. And with the Lord's help, let's go to the Lord together and let's talk to him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God, a God that we could trust, a God who loves us enough to give us warning, a God who gives us the warning for the purpose that we would turn to you. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us great grace, that you would fill me with your spirit, help my mind and my thoughts to be upon you, that I could be used as a vessel. Again, I cannot trust myself, so the best I know how I surrender myself to you that I could be used as a vessel and however you see fit. I know that you have a purpose and I know that you have something you desire to do. I'm asking that everyone at the sound of my voice would have a heart that's prepared to respond towards you and that you would do a work. Thank you that we can trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a powerful and frightening phrase. The great day of the Lord is near. Whenever you see the phrase of the great day of the Lord, it always deals with the day of judgment to come. Now in this day here, it is specifically being used for when the Babylonians are coming to Jerusalem and they destroy the city of Jerusalem in 586 BC. The great day of the Lord is also used throughout the Bible to refer to the day of judgment when Jesus Christ is coming back on this land and God is going to bring a great judgment upon the peoples of the land who have not accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And so this is a thing of judgment, something that will happen, something that is a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing 
to fall into the hands of a living God, the Bible replies. As we examine this passage here, let's see a little bit more. Why is this day of the Lord coming? What is it that's caused the prompting of his wrath? Well, as we see at the very beginning, just as a context sake, notice with me in verse 1. The word of the Lord which came unto Zephaniah, and then it gives his lineage. And we explained this morning that Zephaniah is actually the great, great grandson of King Hezekiah. Now, of course, King Hezekiah was a great king. He was a king who followed the Lord. He prospered as he claved to God, as God looked towards him. He was one who stood up against the Assyrian threat for such a long time. He was a leader in that. He was the one who was who in Isaiah, him and Isaiah prayed together, and they watched as God killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night with just one angel. But we also watched as Hezekiah reached towards the end of his life, and he became sick and dying. And God sent Isaiah to him and said, Hezekiah, put your affairs in order. God's going to kill you. Put your house in order. And uh, Isaiah went to go walk away. Hezekiah went to the Lord and said, Lord, can you spare me, please? Lord, I don't want to die yet. And he pleaded to God. And as Isaiah's in the courtyard, God says, Isaiah, go back and tell Hezekiah that I'm going to make him live. Okay, I just told him he's going to die. Sure, I'll go back. He goes back and talks to Hezekiah. And God extended Hezekiah's life for 15 more years. And at the light of history, we would almost wish that he did not. The reason why is during those 15 years, Hezekiah didn't have a proper heir to replace him as king. And so he had a little bouncing baby boy by the name of Manasseh. And Manasseh had some things missing. And we could see the reason why as Hezekiah had once again... came into a counter with God. This time he brought the Babylonians in and said, look at all my stuff. And they were taking notes and checking things out. And, and Isaiah came and said, what are you doing? Well, they're ambassadors from Babylon. What do you, what'd you show them? Everything. Do you not realize what's going on? These guys are going to take you over. They're taking inventory. And so because of this, a judgment was pronounced. He said, Hezekiah, nothing's going to happen to you, but your kids are going to suffer because of this. Your grandkids are going to be hauled away. Their eyes are going to be plucked away. They're going to be brought away in the chains. And Hezekiah's answer was this. As long as there's peace in my day. That's fine. As long as there's peace in my day. By the way, this is a principle we're found in the Bible all throughout. That you will see men of God, people used of God. In their younger years, they're gung-ho. They're serving God. They're ready to go. But something happens towards the end of their life where they don't want to fight anymore. They don't want to wrestle anymore. And so it goes like this. You have a teenager who wants to listen to ungodly music. And instead of fighting with a teenager, you just said, I just want peace. Just put on some headphones. Do whatever you want. I just want peace. I'm tired of fighting with you. And it gets to the place where people are tired of fighting. They don't want to continue the fight. And let me tell you, parenting is fighting. You said, I just want to be their friend. No such thing. Meaning, you could be their friend, but first of all, you're the parent. You must be the parent. Why do people give up being the parent? They're tired of fighting. They're tired of doing what's right. Because it can sit, to be the proper parent, you have to be consistent. You say, where we're going parenting? Well, because we're going to the results of this. Hezekiah had a son by the name of Manasseh. He was the longest ruling uh, ruler in Judah, ruling 55 years. And it was said of Manasseh, That because of him, blood ran into the streets of Jerusalem. What happened? Here was King Hezekiah who served God fervently. Served God correctly. But in his older age, he didn't feel like raising his son up right the way that he should. And so when uh, 
Hezekiah died. Manasseh took over. Manasseh said, you know what? I don't want my dad's religion. I don't want to see my dad's God. Now remember, Hezekiah was, or Manasseh was not alive when God had spared Jerusalem. He was not there with a great prayer meeting with uh, Hezekiah and Isaiah. So it was up to Hezekiah to deliver these things to his child. And he did not. He did not. And so south of Jerusalem is a little valley called Hinnom. Now, just thinking of logistics, any city has to do something with their trash. And because they didn't have trash services and they didn't have dump trucks, you have to throw it somewhere. And so what they did is that people began to throw their trash into the little valley south of Jerusalem of Hinnom. That's where they go. Well, you can only do that for so long before you have another problem. The valley's getting filled up. And so you've got to come up with a different solution. And their solution was, let's burn it. And it became, as the Valley of Hinnom, the everlasting trash heap burning. So much so that when Jesus is taking a walk later on and someone says, Master, what's hell like? He says, come here. Hinnom. Hinnom. Gehenna is the word that's now in the Greek. Gehenna. The Valley of Hinnom. You want to know what hell is like? It's a place where the fire doesn't stop burning. It's the place where the worm dieth not. You want to know what hell's like? Come here. That is what hell's like. You think the people misunderstood what he said? Maybe it's the grave. Maybe it's eternal. No. Look. Look. Smell it. That's what hell is like. Even more so. What does this have to do with Manasseh? Well, Manasseh who rejected his father's God because his father didn't bother taking the time. Didn't want to fight with Manasseh. Manasseh started to serve another god by the name of Moloch. And so what he did in order to serve Moloch is right by the valley of Hinnom, he put a big hideous image of a face of this demon god. And then he took a slide and put it into the open mouth of this demon god. And Manasseh took his own babies, rolled them down the slide into the open mouth of this false god, into the ever-burning fire, and killed his own children because his father got tired of fighting with his kid to teach him correctly. And this was repeated over and over and over. And Manasseh's influence caused all the rest of Jerusalem to do the same thing. And thus was said of Manasseh that because of him, the blood ran through the streets of Jerusalem. Now do you think there's a holy God who loves life, loves children, who could tolerate that? No wonder the great day of the Lord is coming to this city. Because of their sin, their callousness, their coldness. Manasseh died, but before he died, God got a hold of him, put him in captivity. And in the captivity, God spoke to him and he says, you know what, I think I'll get right with God. A little too late, he's in heaven now because he trusted God and his promises. But he didn't teach his son Ammon. Ammon ruled for two years and then God had enough of this. We don't need to repeat a Manasseh. And he died. Next came up Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he wanted to do what was right the best he could as an eight-year-old. As a 16-year-old, he's ruler. And he says, you know what? We have to rebuild the house of the Lord. You know what? We want people to start serving God again. So let's rebuild the house of the Lord. And that's, by the way, where the contractor who was in charge said, came back and said, I found the book. You found the book? The word of God had been missing all of this time. I found the book. Well, start reading the book. And so Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, 
God created the heaven and the earth. And they read through Genesis. Got to the end of Genesis. And Josiah says read more. And they got to the book of Exodus. And read the story of Moses. And they read through. Then they read through the book of Leviticus. And Josiah says how come we're not doing this? How come we're not following these rules? And they read on. They read on through numbers. And saw the murmuring of the people. And the complaining of the people. Then they got to the book of Deuteronomy. Where God says Moses. You've been patient all these 40 years. Let me tell you what to say. Moses why don't you have a turn at it. And so Moses preaches. Through the book of Deuteronomy. The second telling of the law. And Josiah says. We need to do this. And so what he did. Is he began to outlaw the worship of these false gods. He began to tear down the idols. Be- tore down the thing of. Moloch got rid of these other things and he set up great religious reforms but it fell short of revival because you cannot legislate righteousness you cannot legislate morality and even though he worked on the outside of man it didn't do anything to the inside of man so much that the people could not wait until Josiah got, died so they could go back to their old ways. Go back and serving their other gods. To get back from all of this righteousness that Josiah had for himself. The people's hearts weren't changed. We, of course, going back to parenthood, we could see this when you don't have the heart of a child. You can have a child that is compliant, meaning that They'll obey because they have to. But as soon as they get away from biblical authority, they go crazy. That shows that their heart was not captured. They worked on the outside, but did not capture the inside. The book of Proverbs speaks a lot about a parent having the heart of a child. And working on the heart. The outside is good. You have to work on the outside. But more important is the inside. Which is where Zephaniah comes in. Zephaniah has no desire for religious reforms. He has no desire for platitudes. He is used of God to go for the heart. And say your heart is messed up. You're a sinner. There are some things that are wrong with your heart. That needs to be fixed. There are some things that are wrong with your heart. That is bringing the judgment of God. Well we're doing the right things. We're not asking about things. We're asking about your heart. And because of this. Because of this. The judgment of God is about to fall. Notice as we catch up to where we're heading. Verse number 2. For I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. And I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. And the name of the Camerians with the priest. That word Camariums is an important word. It carries the idea of black robed. It carries the idea of the formal official priest. Who wear these black robes. You can tell what they are by their clothes and what they wear. But they're not influencing people to the Lord. They're not drawing people close to the Lord. And because of their their bad influence and as we talked about this morning in Jeremiah that they've helped they healed the hurt of my daughter slightly saying peace peace where there is no peace for were they ashamed when they committed abomination nay they were not at all ashamed neither could they blush it was these priests here that said you know what you're fine with God God likes you just as you are I know that you feel convicted now just put it away God still loves you you're God's people after all and that message made people feel better but it did not fix the problem that they were not right with God and so if you don't mind let's examine here And see this consuming of the Lord. This consuming of the Lord. That because of the false priests. Because of the things here. Why is God going to bring the judgment down? Well we know that the religious people were part of the problem. But let's walk through this list here. And see some of these things that were 
bringing the judgment of God. As we see here, we're seeing the consummation of the Lord. Why is it that God is going to consume the land? Well, there's a whole list of things. We see the immorality, first of all. Immorality. Verse number four, for I will stretch out my hand upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. The remnant of Baal is very important. Baal was the thunder god, and he was associated with Ashtaroth or Ishtar, the fertility goddess. And in order to worship these god and goddesses, people would have to engage in sexual activities. In fact, in a lot of regions around the world, they would have what would be called temple prostitutes. And if you could forgive mixed things. But basically, it would be a lady's civil duty to act in that position at least once in her life. Could you imagine such horrid things? And God says, because of the immorality, because sexual things are all around and there's no separation, that the people who say they're my, my believers, that they believe in me, are engaged in this. I can't stand it. This is not tolerable. This is not acceptable. Not only immorality, but look at this. Astrology. Notice in verse number 5. And them that worship the host of heaven Upon the housetops. This is a phrase that's used to describe those that would sit on the housetops at night. To tell, let the stars tell them what they're supposed to do for the next day. The horoscopes. And so because my horoscope says I need to stay in today. I'm staying in today. My horoscope says I'm going to be lucky today. So I'm going to try this. My horoscope says that I need to start. And so they would rule their things by astrology. God says I... Never want you to do that because you can come to me at any time and I will direct your path. The Bible talks about the book of James that if any man lack wisdom, he can ask of the Lord and he will give it to him liberally and abradeth him not. That means that God won't yell at you for asking wisdom. You don't have to go to any other source. You can go straight to God and he will give you wisdom. You don't have to look at a newspaper or a horoscope or this other thing. You can go to God. Why would you go anywhere else? But because they refuse to trust in God, they'd rather sit up and read the stars and let the stars tell them what they're supposed to do. We see they were full of immorality. They had astrology. Oh, but it goes on. Notice with me, if you don't mind, we see insincerity. Verse number six, uh, verse number five. And then that worship on the house of, uh, worship the host of heaven from upon the housetops. Notice this. And them that worship and swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. Here, the people said, no, listen. I swear by God, I want to do what's right by God and Malcolm. You say, well, who in the world is this Malcolm? Well, I mentioned his name earlier in a different form, Moloch. I want to be pleasing to God and Moloch. How can you do that? They're two different things. God, I want to be pleasing to you and roll a baby into the trash pit. Does that work? You cannot. They're two opposite things. And what people want to do is they are insincere. God, I want to be pleasing to you. And then turn around and serve whatever God, master, vice, addiction they have. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus said, if you love me, finish it. Keep my commandments. You know how many Christians or non-Christians... I run into all the time. I love the Lord. Have you read your Bible? No. I love the Lord. Where do you go to church? I don't. I love the Lord. When's the last time you talked to him in prayer? I don't feel like I have to. You can't. That's insincere. It doesn't match up. That's what these people were doing. I love God. And then do whatever they want to. That's insincerity. Do you think that pleases God for you to have some lip service and no action there? Do you think God can't see through vain, empty words? 
He can. No wonder God says he's bringing destruction. Immorality, astrology, insincerity. Oh, cruelty. Cruelty. Notice again, we have this Moloch. You cannot kill babies and call it a kindness. You cannot kill innocent children and say that you are pleasing to the Lord. It does not work. You understand God loves everyone. And he's not willing any shall perish but all shall come to repentance. People are precious to the Lord. And God is not happy with it. And it does not work. And to have this whole society that says we love God. But we could kill children. It doesn't work. No wonder destruction was coming. No wonder the great day of the wrath of God was coming upon them. But it's not done yet. We see immorality, astrology, insincerity, cruelty, apostasy. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse 6. And them that are turned back from the Lord. That's apostasy. These are people that claim to know God. They had some encounter with God and they turned away from him. You know, if you had a real encounter with the Lord and you saw how great he was, how can you turn back from him? How can you turn away? How can you walk away after God has done so much for you? Imagine a God who purposely paid your price, who you were deserved to be executed. Imagine, just using our divine imagination, you are sitting in the electric chair. It is a couple minutes away from midnight. The person has his hand on the switch. And at the last moment, someone comes in and says, take him down. I know he's worthy of death. I'm going to take his place. Would you not be a little grateful? So someone took your place for you. You were scheduled to die. Jesus took your death penalty. And if you knew that he took your death penalty, you knew he died for you, and you have no desire to follow up with him, no desire to find out what pleases him, just say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. Do you think God is pleased with that? Absolutely not. Apostasy, walking away from a God that you knew about. Notice something else. Immorality, astrology, insincerity, cruelty, apostasy, infidelity. Notice again in verse number 6. And them that are turned back from the Lord. And those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired of Him. Here are those that didn't even look for the Lord. They have no interest in God. Sure, I love God. I have no desire to follow after Him. I have no desire to look for Him. No desire whatsoever. You know, if you call yourself a believer or a follower of God and have no desire to be close to him, there is something bad wrong. Not something slightly wrong, bad wrong, horribly wrong. No wonder destruction was slated for Jerusalem. So we see this idea of the consuming of the Lord. But then we go on, those that are punished by God... God decides to call out several groups of people that God had slated. These are the reason. These are the groups of people why I'm destroying it. He lists the sins. Now he's calling out specific groups of people. Notice with me in verse number 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice. And he hath bidden his guest. Now, this is more sarcastic preaching. <laughs> I've prepared a day and I'm inviting certain people to show up. Anyone who shows up, by the way, is going to be there at the great destruction of the Lord. Let me tell you who I'm inviting to this time where I'm going to destroy this city. Notice as it goes on, verse 8. It says, it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the princes and the king's children and all that are clothed with strange apparel. Notice this. Here's the royal rebels. Here are the ones who are the princes, the leadership. And God says, 
These are the people that are leading the way from people not following God. When it talks about the strange apparel, the word strange in the Bible has the idea of something foreign, something that doesn't belong to you. And he could say, you may say you want to follow me, but by the way you dress, you have no desire to follow me at all. You know, it's amazing where people say clothes aren't important. How many times God mentions clothes and what people are wearing all throughout the Bible. There is a proper way of dress. There is a proper way of attire that associates yourself with the Lord. That's a different lecture and you can ask more about it later. But God says, listen, I can tell by what you wear, there's a rebel in there that you don't want to be pleasing to God. Your attitude, your countenance, by what you wear. There's something wrong. And I'm inviting you to my sacrifice. I'm inviting you to this appointment that I have. You royal rebels. You people that are in leadership. Oh, but you have a desire to rebel. Notice as it goes on, verse number 9, we see another group. In that same day, I will also punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Here's a picture of an unscrupulous man who's leaping over a threshold in his eagerness to injure an innocent person. Oh, there's someone right outside the door. Let me go get him. And he just runs out. Can't wait to go do harm to someone. Can't wait to get involved with sin. He is jumping at the chance to go get in sin. Well, the Bible talks about when we see sin, we're supposed to go askew. We're supposed to turn away from it. These folks, they see sin and they run towards it. They can't wait to get to it. They're so excited, they run and jump and leap to it. That's not all. There's another group here. Notice in verse number 10. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that there shall be a noise of a cry from the fish gate, and a howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. Now, here it talks about a location. The fish gate is a location within Jerusalem. And it says, coming outside of the gate and beyond that. Destruction is going to come. And it's going to come into this merchant area of Jerusalem. Verse number 11. How ye inhabitants of Maktish. Now God is talking about the people of Jerusalem. But just to kind of get his point across. He calls them the inhabitants of Maktish. Which is actually a Canaanite name. And what he's doing is saying... Uh, verse number 11, how ye inhabitants of Maktish, for all the merchant people are cut down. And they that bear silver are cut off. He says, these money lovers. He says, you're acting just like heathen people out there, that it's all about money. All about money. Where's my money going to come from? What am I going to do? Can I get more money? How do I do it? And their mind is always on money. You know that your mind could be always on money even if you don't have it. And your mind could be on money if you got plenty of it. But their mind is always on money. They're not satisfied with me. They're satisfied with finances. And so they're doing whatever they can so they could have more finances. They're all about whether it's work more, scheme more, play more, gamble more. Whatever we can do for more money. Beg more. I just want more money. And so they have more of a love for, for money and things and profit than being with God. The Bible speaks about that godliness with contentment is great gain. Can you be content with the things that God's allowed you to have? Remember, money is not bad. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. When you have that love, that's what you think about. That's what you desire. That's what you want more of. And that you're not content. You're not content with the Lord. But that's not all. There's another group here. Notice in verse number 12. And it shall come to pass at that time, I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves. Now here's a group and it gives a description. Now whenever uh, someone would make grape juice, they would press the grapes and then they would settle it upon the lees. When they would do that, this lees, it would start to, um, to solidify 
the grape juice a little bit more. Give it more substance so it's not so watery. But when you leave it on its leaves too much, it becomes very syrupy, very sticky. It doesn't flow well. In the South, we have something called molasses. Have you ever heard the expression, they're as slow as molasses? Up North, you may not know, but in South, it takes a while. If you're going to get molasses to pour out, you just kind of hold on for a while. And it just takes its time. And here God says, these lazy people, these lazy people who don't work, don't do anything, I'm going to find you out. In fact, God says, I'm going to take a candle and I'm going to search Jerusalem. I'm going to go in every nook and cranny because lazy people have a habit of hiding out. They have a habit of not showing up. They have a habit of not appearing where they should be. They have a habit of just getting away from everyone so no one can find them. God says, I'm going to find you. I'm going to take a candle. I'm going to find out exactly where you are. Because you're coming to my dinner. You're coming to my sacrifice. You're coming to this appointment that I have that I'm going to destroy all of you. You're not going to hide out because you overslept. You're not going to miss this appointment. You know, there's something over and over the Bible talks about work. God created us to work. In Genesis chapter 3, when he talks about giving work to Adam, he said, it is for thy sake. I'm making you work because it's good for you. There's so much said in the Bible about work. And God says, I know those people who don't work. The lazy people in it for themselves. I'm going to find you. I'm going to bring you to my dinner. I'm going to bring you. Notice as it continues on verse 12. And it shall come to pass that I will search Jerusalem with candles. And punish the men that are settled on their leaves. That say in their heart. The Lord will not do good. Neither will he do evil. These lazy folks. God. It doesn't matter. It, God's not doing anything. He's not doing good. Not doing bad. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to continue life as I were. Not worrying about it. I'm going to go day by day. Nothing's going to happen. No nothing changes. And they have this attitude. With the idea that God's not doing anything. As we saw this morning. God is not passively lovingly. He is actively loving us. He is actively doing everything he could draw to us. He's actively seeking for us. He's actively trying to bring us to us. God is always at work. But the lazy folks. Because they're not doing anything. Have the assumption that God's not doing anything. He's taking his time. Everything's all good. And God says, no, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find wherever you're resting at. Wherever you're leisuring at. And I'm bringing you to this great appointment of destruction. So God calls out these groups of people. For the purpose of making sure that they're going to be here. Making sure that they're going to be under this destruction. Because God is done with this. You said, preacher, this isn't shaping up to be a very encouraging message yet. It's not done yet. We see the great day of the Lord now described and appeared. Notice in verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near. And as we explained this morning, it's closer than what we think. We know that even for our country, it is closer than what we think. The thing with the people of Jerusalem is that they thought they were all right. They thought they had plenty of time. They didn't realize it was right there and that it was coming. And God is warning them, it's right around the corner. Now's the time to get right. Now's the time to prepare. He's calling these people out on purpose because he wants them to get right. He wants them to change their ways. He's pointing them out not because he wants them to feel bad. He's pointing them out because he says, you need to fix things. You need to change. Because the great day of God's wrath is here. It is near. Now. You don't have time to waste. Get right with God. Get right with God now. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near. And hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord. And the mighty men shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath. That day is a day of trouble. That day 
is a day of distress. That day is a day of wastedness. That day is a day of desolation. That day is a day of darkness. That day is a day of gloominess. That day is a day of clouds. That day is a thick darkness. That day is a day of trumpet and alarm. And I will bring distress upon men. And they shall walk like blind men. Because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood shall be poured out as dust. And their flesh is dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. Just as a reminder that you can't pay your way out of this judgment That when you stand before God, you can't pay, you can't connive, you can't bribe your way out of this. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. You say, preacher, it still didn't get encouraging. This is a day of destruction. This is a day of wrath. This is a day where things are happening. This is a day where you need to get right. What can we do about this? It brings me to the one last thing I want to bring to you. The hiding from the Lord's anger. The hiding from the Lord's anger. Notice with me chapter 2 and verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather yourselves together, O nation not desired. Before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Notice that word before, 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 before. He's trying to say before it hits, before the day of comes, before God pours down his wrath, before it happens, now is the accepted time. Now's the time to get right. What do I do before this happens? happens verse number three seek ye the Lord all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment seek righteousness seek meekness it may be that ye be hid in the day of the Lord's anger now remember before God's inviting people not just inviting he's seeking for them with a candle to find them to bring them there how do you hide from God's wrath how do you hide well, it's interesting enough to know the names. Do you know the word Zephaniah has an important name? It means Jehovah is hidden. Jehovah is hidden. There is a way to hide. How do you hide from God? Seek Him. You go find Him. You go to God and say, I'm wrong. You're right. I don't want you to come find me. I'm going to go find you. I need you. You paid my price. You don't want me to suffer wrath. You don't want me to be burned. You don't want me to be in the destruction. So I'm coming to you. And God says, you come to me and I'm going to hide you from my wrath. You'll never owe God the debt of hell ever again if you come to him for salvation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You understand, how do I hide from God's wrath? By seeking him. By seeking him. You could be hid in God where you're hid from God's wrath. You could be hid from God where you're no longer finding his fury. Now, we understand for salvation, that's one thing. But you know, in a day-to-day life, you could still live a life not pleasing to the Lord. And there's consequences for it. How do I avoid that? Seek God. Seek God. Hide yourself in Him and be hidden from the great day of wrath. Be hidden from the destruction that is due. It is quite simple. The answer is the Lord. Run to Him. Seek after him. Find him. And he will protect you. He will keep you the way. He will hide you from this great day. The message that I have for you friend. Is that now is the time to come to him. Before. 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 Now is the time. Now is the time. Before.
Now is the time to seek him. To come to him. You understand God loves the world. He loves you. And he loved you so much that he provided a way of escape. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that any time you could run to him. And knowing that God is a God who is a God to bring wrath. How do we be saved from the destruction that is due for our country? Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. For those of us who have discerning hearts, we know that time is running short. We do not know what's going to happen. We have a lot of unknowns. Now is not the time to gamble. Now is the not, not the time to say, I got plenty of time. Now is the time to get right, to seek after him, that he may hide us from whatever may befall. Because if we are to be honest, our country fits that entire list that God gave. Without a doubt, if God brings destruction upon Jerusalem for those reasons, he has every intention of bringing destruction upon our country for the same exact reasons. What do we do in order to hide ourselves from that day? Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Let me just ask you this question. Are you thoroughly right with God? Now, I'm trusting that people have accepted Christ as your Savior. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, let me tell you the answer is to seek Him. To seek Him. But I'm taking it a step further. Are you thoroughly right with God? Let me tell you, it does matter. And the answer is to seek Him. As we talked about this morning, God wants to be close to us. But the thing that's holding back this closeness is our sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you thoroughly right with God? Are you thoroughly cleansed? Seek him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.